original coin. It's Daisy Lee. You honor me with your presence. Crispy D. Pokemon so tiny hurts so much. Rapidly. Usually stronger than the average. And has a friendly attitude. Is. Throwback. We will not back down. Good morning and welcome to another edition of the Throwback, the post-round one of the NFL Draft Show. Chris Meany, Jake Seeley, Brad Ziegler. Thanks for taking the time to hang out with us today. Please rate, review, subscribe to the show, all that good stuff. We finally have some good stuff to talk about. Not that the last four episodes weren't great, breaking down all the prospects, but uh, we got the first round of the NFL Draft to talk about. So just a reminder, if you aren't subscribed to The Athletic, you can do so by heading over there, theathletic.com slash free 90 days. You can check out Jake's uh, new article, Hard At It Last Night, 2020 NFL Draft Analysis on each on what each skill pick means for fantasy football. A few things I'm sure we're going to talk about this morning, Jake. Just a little bit. Just, just, just a little I told, bit. I told you before we came on the show, I actually had a dream last night that I was reading the Google Doc of what you had already set up for the show. And <laughs> I wish I would have like remembered what it was because you put something in there as like, uh, can't believe we missed on this. And it wasn't even anything to do, like, it wasn't even something that happened in the first round. It was like players of like whatever. It was just, you know, this is way too much on your mind when you're having dreams about it. You ever had anxiety dreams about it? <laughs> that you're wrong about something. A, a picture of me just like ordering my new Jalen Rager jersey or a picture of Brad uh, because the first name on the dock, I mean, listen guys, there were, <laughs> we're a few surprises. Order. Not a lot of crazy trades, only four. We'll touch on the props, which we nailed, especially you guys. Uh, but only four trades, I believe. Some surprises, CD Lamb falling down and going to the Cowboys, the Packers trading up to take Jordan Love, but man, a bomb at the end, Brad. Round one, your Chiefs taking Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Are you kidding me? I'm pretty excited. The, the, you know, the, the narrative going into is, is Andy Reid's never drafted a running back higher than the third round. They're probably not going running back, even though they were getting mocked there, you know, probably half the time. It was either defensive back or, or running back. And then to have no other running backs go off the board prior to that pick, it was like they got their pick of everybody, and this is the guy they wanted. You watch his tape, and every every pass that LSU was getting, he ran some routes like down the field, some some angle routes and stuff over the middle, but a lot of it was just getting him into space and then letting him make guys miss, and that's like teeing up the Chiefs' offense. Just it's they did the same thing with Damian Williams, try to find a way to to just get a guy where he can make make his own moves. Edwards Hilaire is going to be a monster in that offense, and. The only the only question is going to be does how, how much does Damian Williams eat into his um, eat into his year one work um, workload because if if they feel like and they said in the press conference they feel like he is a franchise franchise type back is the way they described him like that tells me that Damian Williams is is a clear handcuff at this point and and but but also a valuable handcuff because we all know what he can do when he's been given the shot so it, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun like they they have so many needs on defense they probably need some offensive line depth and for them to go and say you know what we're taking our strength and making it stronger our offense was already really tough to stop and and now we're adding a, a big time playmaker at a position that might have been maybe the only semi weakness on our offense then you know, like like let the rest of let, let the rest of the division let the rest of the league try to catch up to this 
Yeah, Jake, you nailed the prop at the end. <laughs> it's like all three of us waiting around. Is there going to be a running back taken here in the in the first round? And and we were all texting with each other last night in the chat group, and and we were saying, um, you know, oh, how nice it would be, you know, if it was Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or or Swift or just a running back in that any offense that Brad is talking about. Yeah, any of the big three. So we got our wish, got the prop at the end. One in the rookie league, I think, is a lock. I don't know. Touch on that. And, you know, early rankings, I guess. Is is it too too much of a stretch to say that he's an RB1 in, not in a, draft leagues? No, not at all. My tweet, my breakdown of it is 100%. Uh, yeah, so – and to Brad's credit on the props, he hit on the fourth trade. I, I wasn't expecting that one. Either, <laughs> but uh, We'll talk about the Packers. I wasn't expecting yeah, that trade, no obviously. Uh, is the running back hit here when the Dolphins didn't – Finally, with their third one. And, you know, look, the Dolphins have a really nice draft. And the Dolphins, look at what they're sitting back. The big three are still sitting there for them. Oh, my God. The Dolphins are going to come out of this draft looking so good. But in any case, this is this is something that I'm going to compare a bunch of years. Well, not a bunch of years, but years ago when Michael Thomas got drafted. So Michael Thomas landing the Saints, the very first thing I said, you can't find in probably the past five years before that happened, a better fit wide receiver to offensive style for what they excel at, what he excels at, and what the Saints needed. So you look at Clyde, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, as Brad mentioned, as we talked about before the show, is like they had their pick of all the running backs, and they took Edwards-Hilaire. Whether or not you're like me and you have him on tier, quote, 1.5, as we did pre-draft, and he's not with Swift, Taylor, and it doesn't even really matter now because it's all about the landing spot. They had him as number one. The quote from Andy Reid was that, he was told to watch his tape and was told, hey, he reminds – I forget who said it was, but reminds him of Brian Westbrook. It was and it was Veach, the was, GM. Yeah, it was the GM. Yeah, so, yeah. And, he, and he came back. He goes, no, he's better than Westbrook. <laughs> That's all you need to know. Damian Williams, I'm sorry. You're out there with Deshaun Hamilton. I already dug your grave. I buried you. Sorry, you're over. You're done. <laughs> Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in this Chiefs offense, just it could we to, we joked about this, and I don't know why we're getting pushback, Brad, Chris, too. All of a sudden, people are like, "Oh well, Damian Williams. Oh, it's the Chiefs. Oh, they took him in the first round." We joked before the draft that said running back blank starter for the Chiefs would be an RB one, and now people are starting to push back the other way. No, he is one hundred and one in the rookie draft. I don't care where the big three go because. The big three on the Dolphins, yes, a giant workload. But it's not the Chiefs' offense. He's going to be the bell cow, whether it's 65 70%. It could be 15 touches, but guess what? Alvin Kamara can be a top-five running back with 15 touches. Austin Eckler was a top-ten running back with 15 touches a game. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is 101. He's on the Chiefs. He's with Patrick Mahomes for years, and he should be an RB1. Probably, i put him... I don't even – I can't even say – probably in top 10, not even just around 10, 11, 12, Chris. Oh, it's – it's. I know. It's crazy. Yeah, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid too. Absolutely. All three of us here on the show, we, we love him. All the pro football focus metrics, I mean, one force missed tackle for every 2.7 touches, the best in the class, led all the, all the rookie backs. You guys know this, but anybody who's just listening now and haven't listened over the past couple of weeks, I mean, leading in targets, receptions, and receiving yards – last season at all the backs the three down upside is is huge and there are a lot of people I guess that like Damian Williams but I don't know if anyone liked him more than you Brad and jokes aside honestly but it was part of because of the offense I guess the only negative thing that you can say and it's not even that negative but it is the Chiefs offense is is he going to be the goal line guy there and and that's it I mean it's, oh, it's really splitting out. hairs here I was the, for the only negative well so two I mean, there are like slight negatives. We could go back to that show. Everyone was go listen. You know, maybe size, but he shows strength between the tackles. I mean, so Philip Lindsay had strength between the tackles. I said yeah. 
the one is Jefferson, Burrow, Claude Edwards Hilaire. Like we all do there has to be that thought in the back of your mind that this offense, this genius who is now with Carolina, keep reminding everybody that that he's now under bat rule and we'll have Christian McCaffrey to his disposal, is this could be an offense that made everybody better than they truly are. Again, that's maybe. We don't really think that, but I mean that like it wouldn't be the ultimate shock. That's if you want to nitpick at it, but you talk about the space. There's rarely a defender within him. But if you watch some of the games, that's where I'm going with this. Is you could argue if you're watching, if you really watch the tape, and I know Brad, you probably saw this too. Again, we're nitpicking here, yeah. but you could see that when Edwards Hilaire is like cutting back in, running an arrow route or whatever it is, there's defenders almost on skates trying to reverse direction because of what the LSU offense did. They put defenders on their heels just in general from their scheming. Not to say that the Chiefs won't do the same, Brad. Right. And I mean, and everybody talks, I mean, literally the only negative that I, I really saw is when you watch the combine, he ran a four, six forty and everybody's like, Oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if that's fast enough. All these other guys run a four, three, nine, four, four, seven, whatever. And Kareem Hunt ran a four, six, two. And in literally his first year, he was the RB one in football. It's, it's very, in this offense with Patrick Mahomes at quarterback, it's very possible that this just completely blows up. And you, you mentioned the goal line back. There's not a whole lot of situations where the Chiefs are at the goal line. I, know. Like they, I think about that. Yeah. They don't have a ton of rushes inside the five because most of the time they score from further away and, and they're getting, you know, their running backs get a lot of eight, 10, 12 yard touchdown plays, um, whether it's on a pass or, or a, a run play of some of sorts. So I'm not worried about being a banger. If they need a banger, they, they, can put Damian Williams in there. They still have Daryl Williams on the roster who was, you know, basically like a big brother to Clyde Edwards Hilaire at LSU. So there's, there's options there if they have to go that route, but they, they seem to obviously not mind in between the tackles. Um, they talked a lot in the, in the press conference about his football IQ. And I know they run a super complex offense with a lot of different, um, calls at the line and you've got to be able to adjust on the fly. And I think that's, that's one of the things that probably impressed them the most in their interviews with them. They said they met with him three times at the combine and it, it was, they were quizzing him hard. Like, can he pick this stuff up when, you know, when they're, uh, when these calls are happening and they were very impressed with it. And, and that might be the thing that, that separated him, you know, cause talent wise, we talked before they all these guys were close talent wise. You watch them play and it's like, wow, these guys are going to be good pros. We knew that it was all about a system, all about a fit. And, and that might've been the thing that separated him was, was just the fact that they love his football IQ and, and his desire to, to be great. It felt weird to even bring up the goal line touches <laughs> to be honest with you. How good, how good that offense is and, and the fact that Mahomes just, yeah, to your point, finds a way to, to get touchdowns and Kelsey gets, you know, his number called in the red zone a lot as well. Um, from a, from a redraft perspective, let's just kind of run through here off the top of our heads and just stop me when you feel like where he should go. So like McCaffrey, stop. Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the hype train. Redraft right and Dynasty. CMC. We're going to just throw him at the one, two, no, one, three. Redraft, yeah. redraft. Forget Dynasty for a second because I, I, I do have I a question I'll for just, you guys. Dynasty. I just wanted okay. to do it as a joke. <laughs> and no, it, it is, a, it is, it is good. Yeah. Okay. So CMC, Barkley. Wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on, Chris. Hold on. Hold on. So when we don't know where to put a player, is, is this what we're doing? We do. This okay. has been a while. Should we do it? <laughs> yeah, it has been a while. We make a list! Yay! Woo! Okay, let's right. do it. See, I didn't ruin it for you that time. Thank you. Well, just, You're welcome. You want to just say big four and then move on from there? Yeah. McCaffrey, Barkley, Zeke, and Cook, and then yeah. Yeah. move on? Not ahead of those guys. <laughs> okay, so the big four. 
Um, okay, no real particular order here. We'll go with uh, Nick Chubb. Pooh. I I think mm. I like him over Chubb, but I would I wouldn't have Chubb as the five either. Full point PPR. I might. <laughs> I got full point PPR. If we're doing half. That's going to be a tough decision. Full He's point debating PPR. it already. Here we I go. I mean, look, there's no denying what happened to Chubb when Kareem Hunt was back. Like, Nick Chubb essentially turned into almost Derrick Henry. I mean, that's kind of what it is. I, I got to tell you, like, half point debate, full point PPR, I go Edwards Hilaire. I probably, and you know I don't like Derrick Henry, but ah. Uh, throw Kamara in front of Edwards Hilaire. Throw Mixon in front of Edwards Hilaire. Uh, you know... I'm a Josh Jacobs fan, and I think we'll get to that pick and what that actually helps him. And then now, I, you know what? We'll just put it this way, and then you guys can give your opinion because I kind of screwed it up. I'd put Edwards Hilaire in a tier and have a real tough decision on my hands between Henry Chubb, Fournette, and Edwards Hilaire. That's where I'd put okay. him. I think he deserves to be in that group. Okay, so in tier two, you believe that he should be in tier That's two? That's a tier three. Three, yeah, maybe. And maybe Aaron Jones in that mix, too, depending on – what what else Green Bay does since then? I don't want Amari Cooper at running back. You can have him. <laughs> well, they they uh, yeah. I I think that's fair. I I mean I could see him right around right around nine or ten um, with upside for sure to be a, a top five back if you know if all falls into place. So um, I there's I I would like him better than Fournette, especially because it. I mean, we don't know if, if Fournette's even going to be on Jacksonville by the time this draft's over. There, it sounds like they're trying to move anybody that has any kind of value. And if they end up trading him, landing spot's going to be huge for him um, because they they he could go into a situation where he is is in a complete timeshare, and we haven't seen that in his career yet. He's been the guy in Jacksonville the whole time he's been in the NFL, and it has taken that kind of volume to make him a top twelve running back. So, um, but but yeah, I I mean I definitely could see him around uh, around round ten, and um, I mentioned this to you all off the air. They the uh, one more quick uh, chief story they. They said about six picks earlier, it was right, right about the time when Green Bay traded up, um, and, and took Jordan Love. At that point, the, the Chiefs said they stopped receiving calls, uh, for trade up. And, it, and so Eric Bienemy, the offensive coordinator, texted Brett Beach and said, are we going to go get our guy? Meaning like, are we going to trade up to get Edwards Hilaire? They were, they were contemplating moving up in front of Miami's pick 30 because they thought there was a chance they would take a running back there. They wanted him bad. And, and, they were, you know, fortunate, you know, whether, I don't know if they tried to trade up or if it just, the asking price was too high or whatever, but they were still able to get their guy by not moving up and they don't have a lot of picks. They've only got, you know, one pick in each of the first five rounds. So, um, if they're trading up, they're probably using ammo in a future draft, which is, is, you know, it's, it's fun when you're going for a title, but it also, when that draft rolls around, you have a whole lot less picks than everybody else. It's like, uh, what do we do? So, but I, yeah. I'm glad, glad they got their guy just being able to sit and wait. I mean, the rich get richer. Yeah, I, I saw that tweet from from James Palmer about you know Brian Westbrook, which is crazy because Westbrook was was he was awesome. He was an all pro. Andy Reid's offense. Yeah, he was he was unbelievable. How many touch? Like, I agree with you guys. After you know McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, Cook, you know, you definitely thinking about. It. I I like Joe Mixon, but I mean, the upside in that KC offense is great. It, Jake, how many touches are you penciling him in for in year one? Because, yeah, I mean, Williams is still going to be kind of hanging around. They're not a team that runs a whole lot. What are you thinking? Like, 
for Edwards Hilaire. 40 yeah. plus catches and at least 150 oh, that's, carries. That's a, if I have 40 plus catches, I'd, I'd say 50 plus would feel better. Like a 50.5 would feel like a better over under. And I probably still lean towards the over. He's put it this way. I don't care how they come. Just, I keep, that's why I brought up Kamara. That's why I brought up Austin Eckler. He's going to get more carries than Austin Eckler. Alvin Kamara in 14 games, 14, had 250 touches. Edwards Hilaire is going to get 240 plus touches next year. And that's, who cares? If it's, like I said, if it's 15 a game, you don't care how they come. And that's what's going to make him so appealing. And that's why I think he deserves to be in that tier. Is what's so appealing about him is that you're getting the Kamara effect with more carries and the fact that the Eckler effect with more carries. You're going to get full point PPR, which this is part of the reason I hate it, but you're going to be banking four or five points a week, a week, just before anything even happens. And then, so... I think that's kind of like he's going to have such a great floor in this offense, and then it's just all upside from there. Yeah, even just 200 touches in the offense. Before we move on from him, a dynasty pick we already talked about, 101. And this is all context, whatever. I mean, if you have the first pick, Brad, in a dynasty league, awesome. You're going to get him. But it's likely your team is – it could be garbage. It could be crap. (laughs) Uh, We don't know yet where everybody else is going, the other backs. Would you – I, and for me, I always, I always say field offers just in case. You never know, Brad. Like, what if you're sitting there with 101, and your team is is not that great? You could use some help at wide receiver. You could use, you definitely could use uh, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, and you could use some help at backs. Like, what's the asking price? Uh, I mean, it's a, it's at least two firsts um, at this point because the the fit is so perfect. I I never I tried to never draft my first round pick in dynasty draft based on my team need. I want to go best player available because worst case, let's say I take, I just draft Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Then all of a sudden someone comes to me with an offer in, and I saw an offer this morning that is just ridiculous. It was on a Twitter poll and I don't know if it was an actual trade that happened or if it was an offer that someone threw out, but it was DJ Moore and Austin Eckler for Clyde Edwards Hilaire. And if that's the kind of offer you get, you take that offer because Eckler and Edwards Hilaire could be, could be very similar this year. And then you get a top five dynasty wide receiver on top of it. That's totally different. But, but as far as just the pick, I don't, I think he's the one on one. I think he's the perfect fit. I'm, you know, extremely biased as a chief fan and I have the one on one in three different dynasty leagues this year. One of them I've got. It's a league where I, I literally have every first round pick because I didn't draft in the startup. That was, that was my compensation for not drafting. So that one's a little different, but I've got one of them where I'm, I've got the 101 and the 103. And then I've got another one where I've got the 101, 102 and 104. And my thought is I'm going to take Edward Tiller at 101 and then I'm still going to be able to get either Taylor or, or Swift at the 103. Most likely, most likely one of those two, depending on landing spot, obviously. Um, but let the let the guy who has the 102 make that choice, and then I'll just take whoever's left. Whereas, I, and I'm still getting the guy that I want. And if it, I, I, you have to get at least at least another uh, two first rounders, like a, a you know, say like a 104, 105 this year plus a first next year, I would. Con- that's about where I would start considering it. And if if not, if I don't get that much, then I'm just holding on to the pick because I, I'll trade him during the season if I if I really feel like I want to move him, I'll trade him during the season when he's smashing. Yeah, Jake, you should be asking for the moon, right? I mean, that's how you should approach things anyways. Oh, yeah. I had one inside the breakdown on the site where I'm breaking down the skill picks. Somebody said that they have the number two, and it's a super flex, so they're assuming Joe Burrow's going to go number one, which would be – I would assume that as well as a super flex. But he has the number two, and he was offered Singletary in the six for two and 11, or Singletary and Evans for the two. So 
you know, the people are going to be going bananas and right. I mean, it's rightfully so, but Singletary and Evans, as much as you can downgrade Evans to the wide receiver two status, I mean, Singletary, I mean, that's kind of hard to pass up if, if you need help at all is as appealing as this is, is for a situation. Uh, yeah. I mean, like Brad said, people are going to be definitely going gaga over it. I thought about it like in the dynasty startup that we've been talking about just texting off air. I thought about, it. I went and looked who had 101 or 102. Uh, because it is Burrow's going to be in there and it is a super flex, but both of them spent top of the second round. So I'd have to throw one of those insane offers at them and I'm not going to. Yeah. I probably only have one shit. Pat and I have first pick in a, in a rookie draft in league of leagues. So we're pretty excited about that, but that's likely the only, you know, spot I'll have them in a, in some sort of dynasty and keeper league. I just, I will say this, how quickly things can fall off for running backs as a Todd Gurley owner in a dynasty league. Things were looking pretty good for me a couple of years ago, right? So if you could get to your point, Brad and Jake, you guys just brought up a couple offers that are certainly appealing. If, if you're sitting there, you could probably get two or three solid pieces to help your team, uh, win now, uh, because the shelf life, as we all know, for running backs, it's, you know, it's not as long as, you know, say a solid wide receiver and just a couple pieces like an Austin Eckler. Let's move on from him. Jake, you threw out um, the wide receiver prop, and you stopped me when we were talking. When we were just talking about CeeDee Lamb and Judy, and you said plus 700 for rugs. Like, if you're going to take a long shot as the first wide receiver off the board, that is one. We had one comment on, on our you know, on, on our Twitter account, the athletic fantasy account was saying, Hey, you guys, you know, someone had at least heard us talking about that. So we're not making things up here. <laughs> but as you talked about KC having the pick of all the running backs, Oakland with the pick of all the wide receivers and they decide to go Henry Ruggs. I was a little bit surprised, but what's your initial thoughts? Wide receiver two? What are you thinking? Yeah. See, there's, and there's a lot of people like, don't necessarily agree. I mean, this is what makes scouting fun. This is what makes football sports, just way sports fun. But I, you know, you guys have known this. I've had him in tier one with Judy and Lamb, and I said they deserve to be in the same conversation depending on what you want. We broke them down during that show. I'll mention somebody else I mentioned a lot. And that's Emery Hunt. Emery Hunt had him as his number one outside wide receiver. He actually breaks down four ways. He breaks down outside, inside, in line, like the big slot guys, and then pure slots. So he even separates those. This is, Emery is insane. But he had him as number one outside guy, you know, maybe whether or not you do disagree there and say it should be lamb or whatever it might be. I mean, lamb and we'll get to kept, they kept talking about how much time he spends in the slot, but whatever it might be, look, the only negatives I brought up during the show when we did that is I said, basically he lets the ball get on top of him at times instead of snatching it in the air and he can struggle getting jammed off the line. I mean, how many receivers have I said that about? How many receivers can you say that about as college? It's just, after the catch, the speed downfield, he is I, – I, what did I call back then? It was like when we did the show. I was Ted Ginn was the comparison that somebody else made. I said that is so disrespectful because he's better than Ted Ginn. His hands are better than Ted Ginn. He's essentially – remember Ted Ginn being the number nine pick in the draft? He's what people wanted Ted Ginn to be. I fully believe that. I know not everybody does, but obviously the Raiders do. And I got to tell you, there's a few people that I'm not going to argue with, and that's Gruden and Mayock. Like, if they would have – I mean, if they would have shocked the world and taken Jefferson with all the receipts – this kind of goes back to the Chiefs thing. And I know – look, you guys don't have to agree with me, and I don't mean just you two. I just mean everybody out there. If the Chiefs – if we're saying – and I'm not coming for you, Brad. I'm just saying. But, like, you know, we're saying the Chiefs had their pick of the litter, and they liked Edwards Hilaire. The Raiders had their pick of the litter. If they took Justin Jefferson, I would be like, what the living hell are they thinking? But at the same time, I would have been like, it's Mayock and Gruden. Uh, maybe they know something I don't. So this makes me feel good about my Ruggs opinion. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And 
And I, it's, it's not that I, I, I said this earlier. I think Ruggs can be a very important piece on an NFL team. I just don't necessarily like him in fantasy because I feel like he's going to be boom or bust. That's not a guy I want to have on my roster and, and, and playing, you know, the, uh, the Amari Cooper or Stefan Diggs effect where you never know when they're going to go off. That's, that's part of the reason why I'm probably lower on AJ Brown than everybody else. Just because I don't know if he's going to get the volume that I like to have in my receivers personally on my team. That being said, it's a, it's a traditional perfect Raiders fit. I, I, I honestly would not be surprised if they have three third round picks. It wouldn't surprise me if they gar- grab another receiver out of this class and before yeah, day two's over. And they definitely hey, need some, Brad, I gotta tell some you, other help. But I, the way it was going, I almost thought they were going to end up with Lamb and Ross. Me too. <laughs> me too. A buddy of mine who's oh. a Raiders fan, and he, we were texting each other. is like, oh my goodness, they they may get Lamb too. <laughs> yeah, it would have been crazy if they had just drafted both of them or drafted, yeah, like what, whatever. This it was. Now they really needed Damon Arnett, you know. Yeah, for sure. The third round cornerback is, is hey, the perfect again, guy to reach at again, pick nineteen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. This is this is a duo that I'm not gonna question. I'm not gonna say I'm smarter than that. And, and did you see how pumped they were? I mean, Gruden is pumped about everything, but did you see them like they were just so ecstatic to get rugs? They were like Gruden has his arms in the air, like he just won yeah. an overtime game to get to the playoffs. Mayock is pumped, like smile ear to ear. So yeah, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna hate on them either. We all knew that Oakland or Vegas. I'm going to do that so much. Oh, we all knew that Las Vegas <laughs> was was going to take a wide receiver. I was so it's so funny you said that because I'm typing it up and I'm glad I have the TV in the background because I'm in the middle of typing up the breakdown on rugs and they go yeah for Las Vegas blah blah and I I went back I was like whoops I put an oak for the, the team I was like I changed the team abbreviation I I still have to get used to it. Yeah, I I like what you said, Brad about. AJ Brown, because I'm thinking like maybe a similar stat line of somebody who maybe only catches 50 to 60 balls, yeah, but, but Jake gets thing. over a thousand yards with those big. Here's, boom here's plays. the good thing about it is the fact that you're going to get AJ Brown, you're going to get Amari Cooper, you're going to get a fringe wide receiver one at a wide receiver three cost. So now I'm in. Like, how could you not be? Like, if I told you he's going to be, forget even those two. Deshaun Jackson in his prime. I hate, you know this. You guys know I hate Deshaun Jackson because I always joke about the six weeks of greatness, the six weeks of so-so, and the four weeks of, well, she didn't even want him on your roster. But if you had that in your prime and all it cost you is a wide receiver three, you were going to sign up for it every single time. Yeah. I will say this about Derek Carr. He doesn't throw the ball downfield. But he's been pretty accurate over the past couple of years. And Amari 100%. Cooper and Michael Crabtree were both top fifteen in the same year. Yeah, and he, yeah, he was you know what a top five quarterback at that point before that injury in fantasy. I guess Brad just a few slants. I mean, give the ball in his hands, man, and just watch him work. Yeah, in a sense, that's what you're going to have to do because Ty. I don't know who's the number one receiver on this team. Is it Rugs or is it Tyrell Williams? And the fact that you even have to ask that, (laughs) if it's Rugs, he's facing number one cornerbacks. That's not the kind of receiver I want facing number one cornerbacks. That's why I thought, I thought it made more sense to get a, a Judy or Lamb type player to, to take legit. Oh, I don't think they're potential wide receiver. And I agree, but they, I mean, they gotta get, they gotta go get somebody. And there's who else is in this draft that's left that can be that guy. And, and oh, they don't no, have so a second-round pick. 
So see, I don't think it necessarily needs to be like that guy, but I think with you look how the wide receivers are shaking out, you know, you get maybe I don't know if Chenault would go that far, but I mean, if you throw in like a Van Jefferson or uh, your boy Bowden or Claypool or Edwards and your other other boy, like I mean, you throw in one of those, and no, it's not he's not the number one because it would still be Ruggs as the number one easily, but it's a bigger threat than Renfro and Tyrell Williams. Right. I mean, they, like, uh, T. Higgins would make a lot of sense. There's no way he gets to the third round, I don't think, but, but somebody that is at least a red zone threat, somebody that is, um, a big body possession receiver, they just don't have that right now. Tyrell, that's not Tyrell Williams' game. That's not, I mean, it's definitely not Ruggs' game. Hunter Renfro's the slot guy right now. Like, I don't know. I'm not, I mean, is it Darren Waller's really the only red zone threat they have right now? And, and even then, like, he collapsed in the second half last year to the point where they went out and, and signed Jason Witten to, to bring him in. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how, what the Raiders are doing, but as a Chiefs fan, I love it. <laughs> uh, Jake, you alluded to it earlier, but I don't think you touched on it when you mentioned rugs. I mean, this does help Josh Jacobs. Oh, 100%. And it just opens up the field even more because that's the biggest thing is we're talking about. We're still talking about the wide receivers is you take off rugs. It was Darren Waller and I mean, that's yeah. really just Tyrell had five touchdowns in five first five games and then disappeared. I know he had yeah, a foot injury, but he was You have to talk about just teams sitting there and, you know, in the box and look, you can throw it both ways. I mean, like this is the one thing. And I'm just talking about a team because, you know me, I'll say it time and again, like don't get caught up in broken tackles. Don't get caught up in facing eight-man boxes. Don't get caught up in whatever it might be because anytime you just get caught up in one stat, you're going to you're gonna hurt yourself. you got to look at the entire picture. With Jacobs, uh, whatever dissenting opinions may be on this show, is with Jacobs is like, look, he was facing tougher boxes than most running backs. Again, you know, Emery is one of the ones who will say, like, all now all you do you to do is make one person miss instead of making two or three because the defense is more spread out. At the same time, there are plenty of numbers out there showing the difference between facing an eight-man, seven-man box and facing a normal five or, you know, facing nickel and dime coverage and what it means for running backs. Nothing else. This is like it's Jacob's touches aren't going to change. So let's just say Jacob's touches now with somebody who is going to immediately pull back the secondary. That's really like throw whoever you want. Throw Ted Gate on this damn offense. You pull back the secondary just a few feet, and it's, all it can do is help Jacobs, and that's that's the point. I wonder if Jacobs is asked. I mean, Gruden and Mayock do their own thing, but as Bama, you know, two Bama guys asking, you know, who he liked a little bit more. Maybe it was Judy or Ruggs. <laughs> um, I just always wonder that. It was a little conversation. I'm sure they. That's why I was kind of. I, I was kind of no. hoping. <laughs> what you don't think they asked him at all? Like they didn't uh, make their decision on Jacobs. But I don't, I don't know as far as the, if they would say who do you like more. I think it would be more like is there anything we need to worry about with these guys that we may not know. About? Actually, I, was gonna say, I agree with Brad. I, that's where I was going to say. I was going to say more the opposite. It's like what's the and you know Jacobs negative? is telling them though who he likes more. You know, <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. And like I said, from from an NFL perspective, I think Rugs can be a really valuable player to an NFL team. We we talk to Deshaun Jackson all the time, like how valuable he was to Tampa, how valuable he was to Philly and when he's been healthy there. It's or I guess, you know, Philly a long time ago and then for one game last year. He can be it can be a huge space opening player on the team, but he just may not have a ton of fantasy relevance. And and when when you're looking at fantasy like, yeah, I'm probably gonna say he's a first round pick because he's He's a first rounder in the NFL, but that's not a guy I'm really excited to take in the first round of a rookie draft because I I feel like I'm doing it. There there are there are at least five other wide receivers I would rather have than him from a fantasy perspective at this moment. 
Okay, well let's let's get into that. Maybe this means we jump around a little bit, but Jake is is right now the early rankings and in, in redraft leagues is Rugs your favorite? No. Like wide receiver one? No. Not for, not for redraft. I mean, we could actually is? Uh, for redraft, Rager. for pure redraft. Uh, ooh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, no. like he's he's in a smash spot. Like there, there's still a no. really good chance Alshon Jeffrey. He asked me, but go ahead during the draft. Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But he, All right, no, Brad, you bite your tongue for a second, Jake. Go. No, no, no. I was gonna say, let Brad. He's he's already halfway into it. Just go ahead because yeah, I, I, I would probably disagree. But go ahead. Sure, and that, and that's typical for us. But they. <laughs> Rager, Rager's in a smash spot in Philly. That number one, they did not have a a reliable receiver. He's a good athlete. He's a better athlete than what he showed, I think, at the combine even. And and I I think as I went back and looked at all those wide receiver times, every it felt like I think they were all a little slow solely because of doing the draft in the evening and they've they've kind of waited around all day instead of getting up and running in the morning when their body's fresh. I think I don't think you can even compare these forty times to previous drafts, and because of that, I think Rager's a better athlete. I watch him play. I love what he does. I think he's a perfect fit for Philly. He had the literally I, I saw a stat the worst percentage of catchable passes thrown to him of any wide receiver in this entire class in college. TCU's quarterback play was so bad last year, he didn't have a chance to do to do to put up any kind of legit stats. That being the case, if they trade Alshon Jeffrey today, I think Rager has a legit shot to be a wide receiver too in 2020. Just, just from a pure volume standpoint in that offense with a very accurate quarterback on, on underneath throws. So, yeah, I, look, I definitely like Rager, uh, but I would take Jefferson between the two, uh, mostly because it's not, if this was still Stefanski, I'd probably go Rager, but I'm going with the fact that Stefan Diggs is gone and, it's a little head scratching, I will say, for the fact that, like, similar, and we haven't even talked about him yet, but CD Lamb, from a fit standpoint, for what you already have on this team, I mean, Justin Jefferson is a lot like Adam Thielen, but we're talking about an offense where there is zero competition for the number two. Like, Kyle Rudolph, please, I, we're still waiting and begging Irv Smith to take over, and he should at some point, but even if it's two tight ends, there's still a, there's a zero empty gaping hole. It's not going to be old BC Johnson. It's not going to be whoever else. This is a gaping wide receiver was going to step in. Whoever it might have been, I would have loved Rager here. I would have loved Ayuk here. I would like just they wide receiver. And that's the difference. So they're so close to me where Rager still has Zach Ertz, still has Elshon Jeffrey. He should be like, but I, I feel like his best case is he's the number three. With Justin Jefferson, his best case and what he is already, he's the number two. But again, we're splitting hairs. I love both. I love both landing spots. I, for pure redraft, I would put him in front of Judy with Drew Locke. Uh, I would put him, uh, we, we should talk about CeeDee Lamb because of that situation. Yeah. Their situations are so much better. Um, and, but I would, I would take Jefferson over Rager, but again, we're, it's kind of like we're a splitting hairs type of situation back to the running back tiers, so to speak. Yeah, we 100% are. And I, I kind of lean on your side too. I have them right now, I think Jefferson with, with the fact being number two. And you're right, Safancy's gone, but there were, there were some games, you know, the offense is going to run through Cook, and that's obvious. And there was one game, I believe, where what, Cousins threw the ball nine times? I mean, they really in the defense and run the football. <laughs> Um, so that's concerning. The the one thing is, you know, we could be in week four and five if they keep Jackson and Jeffrey. And to Brad's point, like those guys, to, in my perspective and watching, 
I, I don't think Jeffrey has too much to offer. And I know that they're trying to unload him and get rid of him. I don't know if anyone's going to take him. I think, he, you know, Howie Roseman has said that he thinks that he still has more to offer. Both of those wide receivers. I was a little surprised they didn't take Justin Jefferson, but Rigger is in a, he is in a pretty good spot. And I saw that chart, Brad. I had actually tweeted it this morning from Pro Football Focus. 31%. It was the accuracy on, on passes you know, thrown his way. I mean, Pro Football Focus said a prospect low, 60% of his targets were charted as uncatchable, 55 of 92. Um, so 32 on that list. Number one on that list, Justin Jefferson, 69%. So there is a difference, of course, with the quarterback play, TCU to LSU. I think it's a good spot, but... I, I I feel like I'm not I'm still not excited from a fantasy standpoint. Like Jake, what what are we thinking here? Projections like fifty grabs for like, I just Jefferson feel like or for Rager? for for Rager. I think like best case scenario, he's a wide receiver four. Four. He would just I, need to have a lot of things happen for him. That's to what I'm as four. And to be honest, it would I, this is what I said. It wouldn't shock me if he kicked Deshaun Jackson to the curb. But at the same time, this is what did I bring up on the last show? And I'm not saying oh look at me, but this has to be. This isn't a normal off season. He might not have enough time to really make the team think about kicking Deshaun Jackson to the curb. And then if that's the case, now he's off right. to a slow start. So maybe somebody that you pigeon, you say, hey, you know, wait, let somebody else draft him, come back and take him in, you know, the third or fourth week when they're frustrated. And maybe we see a similar, like, Miles Sanders of last year, and he really starts to hit in the second half. So those are some of the concerns, too, and that's the other reason I would go Jefferson is Jefferson is just going to step in number two no matter what. Um, for the comparison I made in the write-up for people out there, think of DK Metcalf. Uh, despite the body differences, he's very similar to DK Metcalf. So the Eagles, I think, drafting him at this point are going to do what the Seahawks did with Metcalf. Let him go do what he does. Let him run downfield and streak past people. Let him be the guy that just kind of runs those similar routes. That's fine. And with Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz's arm, absolutely. But to your point – for fantasy purposes, wide receiver four because 40, 50 catches, sure, eight, 900 yards and some touchdowns, but I mean, there'll be yeah. weeks where it'll be two catches for 35 yards and that's I, it. Yeah, for sure. How he's taken some heat over the past couple of years. I mean, obviously last he's another year one with I won't JJ Arthega Whiteside, but I mean, passing on Dante Moncrief, Terry, Terry McLaurin. I, I, we'll get to CD Lamb. We keep saying that, but maybe we'll just save him for the end. I mean, he's just such a <laughs> just poor keep lot. waiting. Just, for CD Lamb. Yeah, just keep waiting, guys. Forever. Keep waiting. But I was a little like Howie, like, come on, man, pull the trigger here. You're not aggressive enough to go get CD Lamb. Um, Brad, you want to touch on Justin Jefferson? You didn't really get to. Yeah, I I like him a lot. Spot. I. I... I would have liked him a whole lot more on a team that already had a, a dominant outside receiver and they could just throw him in the slot and, and let him do his thing. He ran, I believe it was like 91% of his, his routes last year at LSU were out of the slot and he was the best at it in football, in, in college football. But now you're going to a team where Adam Thielen is a really good slot receiver too. So, and then you have, have, you know, even if Kyle Rudolph's in there, Irv Smith can play slot receiver some. There's, there's, it just feels like the Giants last year where there's like a whole lot of redundant assets. I don't know how it's all going to shake out. I I do like Jefferson a lot, but if they're going to move him outside, he's going to have to prove to me a little bit more to, to make him more valuable than, than a Rager in year one. All right. Jerry Judy um, goes to Denver. You know, I from a fantasy standpoint, Jake, I, I don't love the landing spot, but – Man, this is a good pick for Denver. I mean, this is this is great for Drew Locke. This is, I think, this is good for Cortland Sutton. I think this is just 
this is exactly what they needed. This is just good, period. And look, yeah, they got it really is, but I'm just not overly excited from a redraft standpoint. I mean, no, and that's understandable. Football. You know, like I, I had the Broncos trading up to ten to make sure they got. You know, it's similar to what we've been talking about so far. It's like their guy. You know, maybe they see him as the clear number one in that tier. Uh, so that's what I had. I had the Browns dropping back and getting Brown, and they went off at the tackle, which is a great need for them. So them being able to sit, that being the Broncos at 15, and still get their guy. Everybody knew they liked Judy. That's great for them. And the biggest here, the biggest situation here is forget just Judy. I mean, include Sutton, include Noah Fant. The yeah. question is, what is Drew Locke? Like, and with Drew Locke coming out of college, I said, maybe he can have an Andy Dalton-like career. And if he's Andy Dalton-like, then that's fine because Andy Dalton, for fantasy purposes, was a QB1 at times. Uh, he put up plenty of good numbers to make A.J. Green one of the top five wide receivers in fantasy. So I would say the biggest question is not Judy and not his fit because this is a great fit. Sorry, Bayshon Hamilton. I poured one out. I'll keep pouring one out for you. I'll, I'll pour out the entire 40, <laughs> the, all, all 40 ounces on the ground. Uh, I feel bad about that, but he is the number two. They drafted him to be the number two, just like Jefferson was drafted to be number two, everything here. So it's a great opportunity, but because we don't know what Drew Locke is going to be or perform like, you know, Cortland Sutton, uh, I think that you have to put and keep him in the top wide receiver two territory. He could fall back if luck, lock, I can't always lock, lock. If luck sucks, but if, you know, he, lock really struggles, Judy's a wide receiver four, but he could be a wide receiver four, but also turn into a wide receiver six and just be nothing this year, not of his fault of his own, but just because lock isn't the answer. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with that. I don't know if lock's the answer. They're trying to, it almost feels like they're trying to do everything they can by getting Melvin Gordon, by getting Jerry Judy to, to give Locke a legit shot and a legit shot that they didn't give their, their previous quarterbacks, um, by putting all these weapons around them. They had one or two guys, but they didn't have four. And, and now all of a sudden it, it feels like they're really trying hard to, to be able to score, to keep up with Kansas City, to keep up with the Raiders, keep up with the Chargers, because that's what it's going to take to, to compete in the FC West. You got to put points on the board. I, I look at, I'm not sure about Deshaun Hamilton at this point. I know, like, you've written him off, he's dead, whatever. If they don't take another receiver, he he profiles as the slot receiver on this team because last year last year he was playing outside quite a bit because the only other guys they had were Tim Patrick. Uh, You know, they had Emmanuel Sanders for half the season, but once they traded him, Tim Patrick became the other wide receiver starter. And Deshaun Hamilton's playing outside where he he really shouldn't be. And he deserves to be in the slot. Well, having Judy on the outside allows them to put Hamilton in the slot. Maybe he's a little bit better. His his snap count increased a little bit in the second half last season after Sanders was traded. And he didn't really do anything receiving-wise. And it just makes me wonder if he was just in a really uncomfortable position on the field. And now maybe they at least have a chance to move him back. But it also would not surprise me. If they took another wide receiver, there, I mean, there's just so many of them in this draft. I mean, even if they grab a, a Devin Duvernay, a James Prochet, somebody, you know, uh, Lim, Lim Bowden, um, later in the draft where they can, they have these quick dynamic playmakers, then yeah, Deshaun Hamilton may be, may be cut prior to the season. So, um, <laughs> it, it'll, it, it can go either way and, and it'll be interesting to see what, what, you know, what they do. But I, I don't know if Locke is the answer. He was good at times last year, but I've seen quarterbacks be good in, in short stretches that were just awful in the rest of their career. And, and you know, it'll, I will say, I, I appreciate from their standpoint that they're giving him a chance with weapons around him. It would be pretty funny, Jake, not going to lie, after you just poured one out finally and, you know, Bayshon Hamilton actually showed up and was, was decent. Uh, Drew Locke, 
I actually kind of believe, and I don't have much to go by, he did win four of his five starts last season. I mean, the one game was in KC that he lost. Brad, I'm sure you remember that game. He wouldn't have won it anyways, but it was a blizzard. There was so much going on. There was that one game against Houston that I watched where he was, you know, I got it here. He's 22 for 27, 309, had three passing touchdowns, didn't really have a whole lot to work with. So I think maybe when I say that I'm excited, it's it's from a super flex standpoint. Like, as my second quarterback, I'd be ecstatic if maybe he was my third um, to go that way. But, again, I'm not overly – excited about the landing spot from a redraft standpoint when it comes to Jerry Judy. And I don't think we can be excited about CeeDee Lamb. Let's just get there. Um, maybe. <laughs> maybe I'm wrong. But this just felt like a pick where Dallas was just like, oh, Philly's up in a couple? Yeah, screw you guys. Uh, we're taking <laughs> CeeDee Lamb. <laughs> maybe it's just because I'm an Eagles guy and no. I'm a little bit bitter here. But that's what it kind of felt like to me. And Jerry, no. and, and Jerry Jones has done this kind of stuff. He's taken the sexy offensive pick when really it's not the need. No, a hundred percent. I I tweeted that last night and said the Cowboys are the fantasy owner in your league that takes the third quarterback to screw over everybody else. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what they are. And let's be honest though here. This is Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy ran some teams where you had two wide receivers inside the top fifteen and a third in wide receiver four territory. Now, I this is my opinion. I don't think that's what we're gonna see. So I said that's actually what it's best worst case. And when I say best worst, it's the Dirk Nowitzki I joked about you with Chris. He's the best worst player of all time. Like you watch him play, he shouldn't be good, but he's the best worst player of all time. The best worst case was that for fantasy predictability, we get two of these guys to shit. Amari Cooper and Lamb or Amari Cooper and Gallup. And the other person's relegated to wide receiver four. So we know for fantasy who to trust. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I actually think Mari Cooper's fine. Fringe wide receiver one. I don't want him on my team. We know that. We've established it on the show with everybody by far by now. We know we all hate Cooper. But I think Gallup and Lamb, where I originally had Gallup in my wide receiver twos heading into the season, he's now back down to wide receiver three with Lamb. And I think you're just going to have... It's going to be a Lamb week. It's going to be, you know, a Gallup week. It's going to be Lamb, Lamb, Gallup, Cooper, Lamb, Gallup. Like, you're just, it's going to be all over the map, and that's going to be the biggest issue. It's going to be very hard to predict. So I don't like the wide receivers for fantasy, and I think this kind of really kills Blake Jarwin for the hype that people wanted around him, especially Mike McCarthy. Again, it was three wide receivers. He didn't really care about the tight end. So all that, but I think the biggest winner here is, I'll say my final sentence. If Dak Prescott is not a top five repeated quarterback next year, he is a complete bust because there is no way he should not be a top five quarterback again. He's the winner. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. Brad, do you three for three? Yeah, I completely agree. I, and I think this is a huge, huge loss for Amari Cooper after they just gave him a monster contract to then go in and add a, a first round pick and a wide receiver. Cooper, I, I could see a, a scenario where Cooper's not even a wide receiver too this year. Like he, he, there's, there is patent, potential at least between Ezekiel Elliott and the other two wide receivers for Cooper to, to put up a 700 yard season and, and almost be non-existent. And that 700 yards might come in three games. So it, it's, um, I, it was, it was a shock pick to me. I will say that because it just, while I think he was probably the best player on their board at that time, it, definitely not a position a, of need. Like they said it would have been sixth overall. Sure, and and they, it, it makes sense. Like I, I, I don't disagree with the grade on him. I just look at their team and and think like, what are they going to do? They have no safeties on the roster right now. 
And we, we were talking in the chat last night. Like, I wonder about a Michael Gallup for, for, uh, Jamal Adams trade at this point. We, you know, some with a pick thrown in or whatever, but it, it, it just feels like Adams is unhappy with the Jets. The Cowboys have, they could have taken a, a safety in the first round and no one would have fretted about it. There were guys there who, you know, everybody thought they, they might grab it. And all, it was like, they're talking wide receiver. What are they like? What are they doing? This, like, they have wide receivers. I'm telling you. If they, if, if all they have the to clock. do, if all they have to do is replace Randall Cobb in that offense, you can do that two rounds later in this draft. And, and they felt the need to go get him. And it just makes me wonder if they've got something else in the works, um, to, you know, they're not going to trade Cooper after giving him that contract. It's going to be if Michael Gallup is, is potentially on the way out. Yeah, he could be. They could just let him sit, rookie contract, just let him sit for a couple of years. I mean, he had a few drops, but. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This offense is is going to be filthy, Jake. I, I KC's up at the top, but like in the NFC, I mean, you're gonna. I think that they're they're number one offense in the NFC. Maybe probably top five offense. Period. And this, yes, yeah, this definitely something that teams are going to have to be thinking about. Uh, they definitely had other needs: defensive line, corners. It just it's one of those. Yeah. I mean, I understand. For sure. Maybe they, maybe they were working the phone lines and they just couldn't move back, but that seems surprising. And it was like, cause that's really when the trade started to hit was in the twenties, but uh, I, I don't know. Like, like fantasy wise, again, like, I, I would love for that to happen for Bradson area because then it'd be like, I can laugh at everybody who owns Amari Cooper because I won't own him. We don't, we won't own him anywhere. So here's laugh at everybody else. Yeah, it's going to be hard to predict for sure. Maybe, maybe it turns out that Dak, you know, realizes that Lamb's his best guy. I mean, and he just, you know, feeds targets to him. I mean, we'll have to see this play out, but it's, yeah, it's tough. I don't think I'm going to have any shares of, of any of those three guys, but Dak is, is going to be, he's going to be a quarterback that you want to have in fantasy if you're willing to make that pick as a top five guy. And I don't think he should sign any contract. If he's going to be stubborn, he thinks he should get whatever he, $100 billion, whatever he thinks he should get. He should probably wait one more year because he's, he's probably going to have a pretty pull the Joe Flacco. good season with all of those guys. Yeah, pull the Joe Flacco, get paid. Um, okay, so one more wideout to talk about. And Kyle Shanahan, he must have been a little tipsy last night, not because he picked Brandon Ayuk, because he said afterwards that Ayuk graded out as his number one wide receiver mm-hmm. in the class and that Lamb was a close second. Come on, bud. Nobody's buying that. Um, but landing spot in San Fran, Jake? It, it's great. Uh, so he's, yeah. he's one I will question. I'll question him. Like, I, <laughs> and again, honestly, he's smarter than I am, but I, I don't see how you even put Ayuk in the same tier as the big three. Uh, maybe if you, I don't even have him in tier two, but if you want to argue for him in tier two, that's fine with me. Actually, did he make cut tier two? I have to go back and look. I, I forget where my cutoffs were at this no, point. No, you had him in three. Tiers one. Yeah, I was going to say, those tiers were so close. I told you it's the 1.5 this year. It's just tough to, you know, break apart those guys, but don't put them in the same conversation as Lamb and Ruggs and Judy. But, look, it's a great opportunity. We all know that. This is There was something needed here, whether it was earlier in the draft of the Ruggs, whether they waited and took Mims, which, ha-ha, not first round. Ha, Mims, bastard. So, anyway, I put him in all my mocks because all those people out there supposedly loved him more than I did. Denzel Mims stinks. No, I'm just coming. Ride that can still change. Don't get, don't get mad. Um, so, in case, no, it's just because if he lands, look, it, look, what? Bro, I pack? talked him up enough to make uh, no. you put him in your mock. I know. I'm just saying. Oh well, yeah, a lot of people did. Everybody did. I thought somebody was going to take him in the first round. Like, if I like him more than Nayuk, honestly, Mims. And and I, you know, that's fine. Look, they're completely they're different kinds of, of players, though. Yes, I, yeah, yeah. But this is this is thing. a great fit. 
this is a great fit for fantasy purposes. I don't think he's anything more than a wide receiver four, maybe wide receiver five at first, because this is still Kittle and Samuel first and second. We'll continue to be Kittle and Samuel first and second. We'll continue to be Debo as a wide receiver two, Kittle arguably one, two, three, wherever you want to put him, probably one or two at this point of his career. But this just helps Jimmy Garoppolo last year, which people don't even realize. I mean, maybe this is a testament to how bad quarterback was last year after you got past the big group, but he was quarterback 15 last year. So maybe we're talking about Jimmy Garoppolo starting to sniff QB1 territory. Uh, this is still, a, you know, a run dynamic offense, not run heavy, so to speak. But I think this is just great fit real life. But fantasy wise, I want to get too excited. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he's, he's a fast, fast player. He's six foot 205. So, um, you know, pretty good BMI. And, and I think, the guy this probably helps out the most is George Kittle because now there's at least a second weapon on the other side. Jalen Hurd probably, um, you know, gets a little bump in the slot, but there's not enough volume for there to be four pass catchers fantasy relevant on this team. Um, you know, with, with as much as they run the ball and throw the ball to their running backs. So, um, it, it's, it's a, a really good fit from a football perspective for the 49ers trying to get over that hump and, and win a Super Bowl. I'm with you. I like in 2020, I will have zero shares of Ayuk in redraft. And, um, even in a dynasty league, I would have a really hard time taking him in the first because I just, I see him as being the third at best weapon in that offense from a passing standpoint, maybe fourth if, if, uh, if you put a running back over the top of him. And if that happens, he's, there's, there's, I mean, when you're throwing 30 passes a game, it just, he's going to be getting maybe three or four targets. Yeah, it's a lock. I won't have any shares, 100%. And, you know, I was just obviously tongue-in-cheek joking about Shanahan. I think he's – we all think he's a great offensive play caller. He's a genius. He's going to find ways to get creative, and, and he's going to have big games. But the, well, you said it, Jake. This is a team that wants to run the football. Like, they're going to use all their backs. They're going to run the football. Kittle's the guy. Debo's number two. So I'm going to have no interest. So a lot of teams, though, they did get better, of course, with these wide receivers and, you know, some weapons. But there's one in Green Bay. <laughs> Did not get a weapon for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, how ticked off. Honestly, you guys, you know Rodgers was, he was rolling his eyes last night when he sees Green Bay not only no, take Jordan Love, but trade up to take Jordan Love. Wow. No, worse. Thoughts? Worse. The report straight from people who supposedly talked to him is not only that, he's not rolling his eyes. The quote was, he quote, feels betrayed and was promised that they would get him weapons. So I'm sure they'll draft him one today, but honestly, that was a maybe, little surprising. Maybe. Well, do they have any picks left? What they what they give up for the for the trade? I I didn't see exactly what they yeah, gave up, but they probably had to give up no a decent amount of picks well, to move up. Not they didn't give up their second rounder though, but they don't pick till sixty two. So you know maybe yeah, somebody's there at like sixty two. Wow. So you know maybe maybe there's still one lingering around in the tier three range. Maybe you know who this knows? Is a big yikes! But I, I will say thing, this: you know, we, looking at his contract. They can get out after, you know, in a, not after this year, but after 2021, they could get out without no, they, major, they pulled, yeah, they pulled what they did with Brett Favre. He just got, he exactly. just, he just, they, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. And that, yeah, yeah, I'm not the 100%. only one to make that joke. The funny thing that I added to it though is they basically got Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers. They got the new Brett Favre, the reckless gunslinging, even <laughs> like you basically brought back the reckless ways of Brett Favre who might not be Brett Favre. Like, there's a lot of concerns with Jordan Love. Like, the report this morning that I read from Rappaport said that the Packers were aggressive. They wanted him. They were calling up to get him, and they were calling up because they were afraid that the Colts were going to take him. 
And the report also said that the Colts weren't calling anybody. So I don't know. I don't know what to make of that. The truth is, one way or another, the Packers wanted love, and they made sure they got love. That's what we know. And for fantasy purposes, we don't care, though. We don't care for two, maybe three years, at least two years. So... You know, like, I don't even know. Do you in a super flex? Do you even take him in the second round, Brad? Like, I like, I just he might not even end up being a starter. He could end up turning out to be freaking Garoppolo in the backup and these and start for six years. Right, and and that's the thing. Like he, I in a super flex, I would take him if I have a team that I was fully completely content with all the rest of my teams. I'd take him at the bottom of the second with the with the rest of, yes. of my roster because in if you're in a position where you are you already have a, a team that can compete and you can just take maybe a a high upside prospect at that point fine but if you if you're wanting anybody to be relevant in the next year or two or someone that you can like the one thing about taking him is if you take him say you take him at 210 212 even 3132 you are not going to be able to trade him next year for those same picks when he hasn't played the entire year, like he's literally not going to play all next year unless Rodgers gets hurt. You you can't flip him and get any more value. If you're trading him, you're throwing him into a deal. And at that point you're wasting the pick. If I'm, if I'm drafting a guy, I want to draft a guy that either number one, I can put into my lineup or I feel like he's going to be in my lineup within 12 months, or I'm going to take a guy that I feel like, even if I'm not going to play him, his value will increase over the next 12 months, and then I can trade him for a better pick than what I used to get him. And that's you can't do that with Jordan Love in this scenario. For me, he's there's I'm not touching him because he'll probably go to a team that needs quarterbacks whenever all the other ones go off the board. He'll probably go in the second or third round. I wouldn't touch him until the fourth round of a rookie draft right now. Yeah, I wouldn't touch me there. You guys know I like him. I mean, I brought him up as a guy who I, you know, I like his deep ball. Yeah, he's, he's, he's crazy in, in terms of the Brett Favre like when he's just kind of slinging it. But this was shocking to me. This is surprising. Not the fact that Green Bay wasn't going to take a quarterback and look to the future. Like Aaron Rodgers is what, 36 now? He's been hurt numerous times over the past couple of years. But the fact that he still is one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, you just give him some weapons. This was the quote I saw from the Pat McAfee show. Um, I just a few days ago, it was, quote, we haven't picked a skilled player in the first round in 15 years, so that would be kind of cool. And he <laughs> says later on, no matter whoever the pick is, he'll track down his phone number and welcome him to the team, no matter what. Chances of that happening? I, I think Did it's, that happen last night? I, I think Probably. it did happen. I, and I, I don't think Rodgers is necessarily feeling like, oh, they're trying to push me out the door. It's just, it's more, I think he's more upset the fact that they, they had a 13 and 3 team last year and they did not get better with that first round pick. They, they didn't address <laughs> any needs when they, they were knocking on the door exactly. of the Super Bowl and he's, They've got a chance to win right now. You draft a wide receiver. You draft anything. I, uh, even if they took Cole Komet, even though I think it would have been a reach, it would have at least been like, okay, they're trying to get him a weapon. But then when you draft a backup quarterback, that helps their team zero in 2020. And and that, to me, is what he would be most upset about. Yeah, yeah maybe, that's, maybe, I don't, I don't see it happening. I don't see it happening. No, I know. Yeah, I just, to I your just, point, Jake, they picked near the end of the second round. Hap- and well, no, I meant like the helping, like Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. has, we we know the history of him not being a, a very friendly person, but just in general, like how many quarterbacks? <laughs> like, we were having a we have Peyton Manning, who like even it's Peyton Manning. Like Eli said he would, but he also said this like that's not his job. But how many quarterbacks have come out and said I'm not teaching the next guy? And there's been different right. levels. Like, there's been different levels of building. Like, Joe Flacco oh, last year. Yeah, basically like <laughs> screw the guy behind me to like I understand that's not my job, but I'm not going to push him away if he's trying to learn from me type of. 
of thing. But I jokingly said that, and the fact that I kind of get the feeling that it's kind of more towards the I don't want to help him at all side than it is the I'll happily at, like help him if he asks, where, you know, Jordan Love's going to have to shadow the living hell out of him to learn from him. So, you know, hey, but that's the good thing. If Jordan Love does learn from anybody, you do want to learn from Aaron Rodgers because his biggest flaw is, is his recklessness, and Aaron Rodgers should be able to help with that. Yeah, and even just even if Rodgers doesn't try to help him, just being around him, he's going to learn. And and it's it's and he's got it's a good offensive minded head coach too. But this could be I could see this being a situation where after twenty twenty, if it doesn't go well, I could see Rodgers forcing a trade. Like saying, I want out of here if they're not if they're not gonna give me a chance Three to win. Guys, yeah, and, and and almost almost it's different, but almost kinda like a Tom Brady. Like you've been with this this franchise forever. And it's like, you know what? I want, I wanted one last shot and this team's not going to give me a shot. I'm going to go somewhere where I, I need a change and I feel like I have a legit shot to win one more Super Bowl before my career's up. All right. Let's wrap up here quickly with the, the past couple quarterbacks. We don't need to really talk about Joe Burrow. We already went in depth. We knew that that pick was going to happen. He was going to go to the Bengals. Uh, Miami did well, Jake. You talked about it earlier. I mean, they're, they're going to come away here as big winners. I think when this draft is over, I mean, they get a corner, they get an offensive lineman and they get Tua. That's Any fantasy relevance you think this year, like over under eight and a half games started from two of this year? I think under, um, but it wouldn't shock me if it was over, but I do think it's under. I think it, it worst case scenario, he starts for them because I think they just like let him be healthy. Let him get back to not only just what he's at now, but a hundred percent get into the NFL. We just sit there and watch yeah. and learn and get comfortable. It just, there's no reason to force him. The Dolphins, to be honest with you, if Tua was starting from day one, I mean, like, the Dolphins contending for a playoff spot wouldn't shock me. Like, this this roster still has plenty of holes. I'm just saying, this this isn't the Patriots' division anymore. Like, right now, I think we could all argue and say it's the Bills' division. So, like, yes. looking at it, there's certainly opportunity where they could sneak into a 9-7. and seven, But I don't think they're going into this season with that plan. This is a long-term plan. This is similar to the Cleveland Browns from years ago. They just have so much capital. What the Raiders are doing, the Raiders were a little bit better than people expected last year. That kind of scenario. So he, I would say under, I say he doesn't start till the end of the season. Once they're completely out of it, once they're completely comfortable with just letting them play, unless Fitzpatrick gets hurt or Fitzpatrick just comes out like the bad Fitzpatrick and is just throwing three picks a game. But once he's under center, we're talking for fantasy purposes. We're talking somebody who could put up QB1 numbers. Uh, we're talking about somebody who shouldn't hurt Devontae Parker at all. Somebody who can let Preston Williams, if he is breaking out with Fitzpatrick as a wide receiver three, continuing to do so and continue to see Gusecki, you know, start to maybe emerge as a fringe tight end one. He's not going to hurt the offense. Arguably, his consistency versus Fitzpatrick might help the offense. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And they have three of the next 38 picks. Like they, they have the ability to address, address some of those holes. They did a great job yesterday. They used all three of their picks without making any trades. I think they got guys that they were probably targeting and, and it sounded like they were trying to trade up in front of the Giants. Not because they, I don't think it was because they were trying to get an offensive lineman in front of the Giants. I, I, I don't think that was necessarily the case. There was a lot of rumor that they were trying to get that third pick to then try to trade with Cincinnati to get the first pick and if, and use that third pick as leverage. If, if that was the case, they, you know, it was obvious they wanted a quarterback. They were able to stand pat, wait at five, get, you know, one A or one B, depending on how you rank them. And then they can go, if they get a starting running back today, let's say they take a Swift or a Taylor 
I don't think Taylor's a good fit there. Swift or Dobbins. Um, Taylor's not a good fit because of Jordan Howard on the roster, in my opinion. Like, you don't want to have two redundant guys where your backup is, it doesn't, doesn't benefit you any to, to give the guy a breather. But say you, say you put Swift or, or Dobbins or even Akers on this roster, someone that can catch passes out of the backfield in addition to being a lead back. Then at that point, say they take that one at 39. They have two more picks in today's, today's rounds. To make this team better, with Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback, they proved they beat the Patriots at the end of the season last year to give the Chiefs a first-round bye. This team can win with just a couple breaks. And then all of a sudden, if they get a lot more talented, they've already got a really good secondary. They they signed the, the top two free agent cornerbacks in the market this year. And then they went and drafted a first-round quarterback last night. Yeah. And so their yeah. secondary is going to be good. Their defense is going to improve. If they get a running back, address a couple other things. They got an offensive lineman last night, too. They've got a legit shot to be a playoff team. The, the the Patriots are as vulnerable as any time as they've been in the last 20 years. Why not go for for it right now? I don't see them trading these picks. I think they're going to use them, fill these holes. I think Tua sits for at least three quarters of the year and only comes in there and plays either if if Fitzpatrick is hurt or if they get eliminated from the playoffs. And then at that point, they may give him a look to to get his feet wet a little bit. Or if they, you know happen to secure a playoff spot and they want to rest Fitzpatrick week 17, then maybe they start him then, um, you know, some scenario like that just to, again, get his feet wet. But, I, yeah, I don't think Tua plays very much this year, but I do think Miami is, is starting to become a, a team to be reckoned with. 100%. Yeah, three for three. I like the Dolphins. And, you know, over the last nine games of last year, they were five and four, a better record than the Pats. Not only did they beat the Pats, they were a better football team than the Pats over the last nine weeks of the season. So, yeah, I mean, they're certainly on the rise. Let's wrap up here with Justin Herbert. Um, Jake, your favorite, your favorite quarterback. <laughs> but honestly, uh, I don't know, man. Him and Tyrod, you guys know how I feel about Tyrod Taylor. I, I wasn't a fan. I didn't, I wasn't buying any of what they were selling, the Chargers and, and loving him and him being the guy. What does this do really for guys like Mike Williams? Like Keenan, Keenan's going to be fine. But like a Mike Williams, what does it do for him uh, if Herbert's the quarterback for all year? I, well, I actually think this is kind of like Tua. I don't think he is the quarterback to start week one. I, I actually do believe Anthony Lynn and Tara Taylor that he's going to be the starter, unless Tyrod looks like crap. And, I mean, again, we're talking about rookie. We don't know what kind of playing time is going to be there because of what's going on with the NFL. Like, just I'm going to say Taylor is a today. For fantasy purposes, though, if Herbert's that quarterback, it's honestly better for the wide receivers. As much as I don't like okay. Herbert— He's reckless Jameis Winston. He's out the same thing. He's going to take the chances. He's going to throw picks. He makes poor decisions. He's very similar to Jameis Winston in his play, especially coming out of college. The downside is, yeah, I don't like a lot about Herbert. There's a lot of things. I joked about the Blaine Gabbert thing. You know, we talk about the fact that if you want to look at his play, there's not only did it not improve, you could argue it got worse. I mean, that there's, there's legitimate argument there for that. So, yeah, he's got great weapons, though. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. He has Austin Eckler, whatever they end up doing. If they do draft a running back, they don't pick until, like, the hundreds now. Uh, I still think they might add a power. But the point is, Herbert would help for fantasy, if nothing else as well, is maybe giving him the Winston effect of the turnovers and they get back on the field quicker. So yeah, I think that Tyrod is the safer play for this team in real life. I think Herbert, a quarterback, is more upside. And so I would say once he's under center, you kind of move him up. Uh, Williams and Allen, maybe like a third of a tier, I would move him up. Yeah, I mean, Brad, even with, you know, all the negative talk around Herbert, Jake's right. I mean, he's going to a pretty good spot where there's a ton of weapons surrounding him. Yeah, no question. And and a good good offense, like you have a – when you have a coach that has dealt with Phillip Rivers for the last decade and a half – 
or or a a a franchise that has dealt with him, they don't mind any kind of a gunslinger mentality when they stick with a guy that long. Like let him take some chances and and find out what he's capable of doing at this level because he does have weapons that can help him. He has weapons that can that can make plays. Um, I do think. I think Jake's right. Jonathan Taylor would be a monster fit here um, to pair with Eckler. And if that happens, there's you've got weapons all around him. You have a whole lot of, uh, of pressure taken off of him as a quarterback. I, I'm i a little higher on Tyrod Taylor than you are. Um, not not because... And from, from a, a fantasy p- standpoint, he could be fine. Right. But like and, real and, life. But just, yeah, whatever. but he gives, he's going to give him a way better chance to win this year than, than Herbert does. Herbert needs to sit. Oh. And Herbert is a perfect guy to draft in a super flex. He's still a top five pick. And but you're going to be sitting on him the whole year. He's going to be a taxi squad type guy, where you don't have to worry about um, whether or not he's going to play much this year. Because I don't see it happening unless they. I mean, if they start out, you know, three and six, and and they're desperate, um, they they may try to trade Tyrod Taylor at some point. They may, you know, just to give him a chance and get it, you know, get his feet wet or whatever. Um, but it, it's. It, it, he's not going to help you this year. He's a guy you sit on, but he has a legit shot to be the guy in 2021. Whereas, oh, when we, here's the thing, Brad. I just we agree, and Chris is on the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But mark it down. You need. You need to I put, think Taylor time, gives him a better shot to that. win now. Timestamp that. I yeah. do agree with that. That <laughs> I will. Uh, that Taylor gives him a better shot to win. I think he he's probably from a fantasy standpoint. I would be more excited about him because of his rushing ability. But I'm to be honest, I'm not excited like overall from a from a real life standpoint. Like I just look at the Chargers and I feel like yeah. And they have been overhyped over the past couple of years. They've let us all down. We've, we've, Jake and I have done shows for years where we've been like, this is the year. This is the year with the Chargers. But like in the playoffs, put them in a playoff game against the Chiefs or the Ravens against Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely no chance. No, but it, but I think Taylor they have a better be shot. Forced to throw or, the football down the field. No or chance. at least as good of a shot with Taylor as they did with Phillip Rivers the last couple of years. Cause Rivers was, agree. was I do agree a complete that. shell of himself yeah. the last couple of years. You can't do any worse at this point. Honestly, Herbert could probably do as well as Rivers uh, or close to it. Um, but it's not – I mean, when you're a, a bottom seven team in the league like they were last year, that's not saying a whole lot. You know, you need someone to take a step. I think Herbert sits the whole year and comes in next year as a legit starter. Whereas, you know, we, when we talk about Jordan Love, you're sitting at least two years with him uh, most likely. And, and I, I would much rather have Herbert than Love from a, a long-term dynasty standpoint. Well, I don't see the Chargers getting Jonathan Taylor because they traded their second-round pick yesterday to the New England Patriots when they moved up and the Pats moved back, so they don't have a pick. Fair. Yeah, in the second yeah, round. that's they probably not happening. Back then. into it. No, uh, it. we'll wrap up with this. What are we? Anything that we're looking forward to here? I, you know, for me, it's New England. We talked to Brad. I think you brought up Jalen Hurts as a possibility. Maybe if you know, hey, if Belichick goes and gets him, is a guy that we all like. Jake, is there something you're looking forward to seeing today? A team maybe grabbing a wide out. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of backs go. Uh, that's whoever the Dolphins take. I, I can't. I would be legitimately legitimately shocked if they don't take one here they're all like i said all three are sitting there for them and what do they have the third pick seventh. today seventh pick seventh yeah so, yeah so they, one of the three are going to be there uh so I, that's what and i'm just watching for tonight both rounds just to see how many running backs and wide receivers go because we already saw six wide receivers if everybody remembers last year second round is when it started to go bananas for wide receivers so it's going to be fun to watch tonight for fantasy purposes because i feel like tonight second and third round 
I feel like when we come back around on Monday, I mean, we could do an entire show, two shows on Monday, just on the second and third round. I have a feeling. I think we might be looking at like 15 plus relevant fantasy people to talk about. Sure. Well, it was only a handful of guys drafted, and we've gone over an hour. <laughs> Brad, yeah, what are you the, looking for? So it, the 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 first seven picks of the of the second round is going to be so fun to watch. The Colts are at two. Everybody thinks they're they're looking quarterback. They were thinking Jordan Love in the first round, at least you know it, that was rumor. They may take a quarterback. The Patriots are at five after trading back. They may take a quarterback, and and then the Dolphins are sitting at seven. Well, the Lions are sitting at three, and the the Lions have been mocked running back quite a bit. Um, in, in some drafts too. So it, it could be a massive run of skill position players at the top of this draft. You think the Bengals are taking linebacker at one. That opens up all the offense for the next few teams. You got the, the Colts at two, the Lions at three, the Giants at four, the Patriots at five, the, the Panthers. I don't know if they would go offense at six unless it was O line, but then the Dolphins at seven and the Texans at eight. Like all those, all those teams are going to be looking for offense in this draft and it'll be a lot of fun to watch how that how that profiles and if anybody starts trading up to try to get in front of these guys. You see the reports last night, Jake, Bill O'Brien just dying, doing whatever he can to get into the first <laughs> he round. He didn't have anything left. I need to get in the first didn't round. didn't have anything left. Trade Deshaun Watson. Give me a first round pick. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That'll do it. Um, make sure you check out Jake's article. He'll be uh, busy all weekend giving some uh, live analysis on each skill position pick in the NFL. He's got some good stuff already over at The Athletic. Just a reminder, theathletic.com slash free 90 days at all in kid is where you can find Jake at Brad Ziegler at Chris Meany. As Jake said, we will be back on Monday morning. Enjoy the draft. Any questions? As a reminder that you can hit us up uh, either on Twitter or in the comment section if you're listening on the app. Thanks for taking the time to hang out. Chat to you on Monday.